0: Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the Scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free eBooks, visit AssuranceofPardon.com/Logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor
1: of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee.
0: Gage, we are back. This is the second advent of the Assurance of Pardon podcast because it it has been a long time since we have uploaded one. And I'm sure that both of our listeners were sorely afraid that we were not going to come back. Yes, our wives Um, wives are upset. Our wives and grandmothers. uh, So, But here we are back in our series on uh, Jesus and the Old Testament. Uh, Who knew uh, that the season uh, leading up to Christmas is a little bit busy, especially for a preacher. So uh, it has been a busy time, but we are glad to be back and hope to get back on a a little bit better schedule with uploading our episodes. Speaking of our episodes, Gage, uh, um, Assurance of Pardon is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasts, uh, and we think you should check out uh, you, you should you should add the Society of Reformed Podcasts to your podcast feed, and that will automatically subscribe you to Distilling Theology and the Reformed Brotherhood and Guilt, Grace, Gratitude and a whole host of other great podcasts that are similar to ours. Uh, only difference is they're better than ours. So uh, check out those guys. They all do some really, really great stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To give you just a couple of quick teasers. I know Reformed Brotherhood has, has done a lot of work in terms of this ongoing conversation about the Trinity lately, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they have some really good content that I would highly, highly recommend uh, Tony and company over there. Uh, okay. Guilt, Grace, ga- Gratitude. Also, I don't know if this episode has hit yet. I was looking for it this morning. Um, they actually had a really cool conversation with Guy Waters uh, and, and some other guys concerning um, Covenant theology and and the the supper and some other things. Um, so uh, definitely look, look for that. They they have some really special guests. A lot of times when they're their podcast guys that we would listen to and read all the time are Scott Clark and others. Uh, so check out the the Society of Reform Podcast. Uh, we are uh, thrilled and excited to be a part of that group.
0: we are, uh, as our listeners know, we are going through showing how Jesus and the gospel are pictured in type and shadow, uh, in theme, uh, in the Old Testament, and we've been taking it one book at a time. I don't know that it'll always be one book at a time. We may uh, take a couple of books, uh, and we might take both of the Samuels in in one swipe. We might take uh, all of the Kings in one swipe. But uh, as it is right now, we've been going one book at a time, and we have made our way to the fifth book of the Pentateuch, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And um, uh, Gage, I know you have a lot of thoughts prepared for people, but let me go ahead and and, uh, say for, for Christians who are, quote, unquote, New Testament Christians, as though there's different kinds of Christians, but who call themselves New Testament Christians, um, and and for Christians who do not um, look at or consider important the New Te- the Old Testament very often, uh, it is important to note that the Book of Deuteronomy is the book of the Old Testament most quoted by Jesus. It is uh, there's no other Old Testament writer that he references, no other Old Testament book that he references more than the Book of Deuteronomy. So there's a, a whole lot there. Uh, that that Jesus wanted to bring to the attention of hear- his hearers when he was in his first advent. So, uh, Gage, how are we to understand the gospel? How are we to read Christ in the book of Deuteronomy? Yeah, you
1: know, you mentioned it. It was the most quoted book. Actually, when you go and, and read the account between Jesus uh, and Satan in the wilderness, the temptation that Jesus faced, um, the responses are passages of Deuteronomy. So I think that's a, an actual interesting tidbit. So let's, let's get some context uh, in the book. So let, let's uh, help us understand where we're at, where our audience is, uh, what we're reading. As you dig into the beginning of Deuteronomy, uh, a couple of things. There's some notes here regarding where they're at. So they are leaving Horeb, the mountain that they've been at, the mountain where the Ten Commandments was given, you know, all, all those things. Um, they're, they're leaving this area um, and now are moving into the promised land to actually um, battle and confront uh, the tribes that are there, that are there and, and to take possession of the land. The, the Lord actually tells them, hey, it's, you've been there long enough. It's, it's time for you to move forward. Uh, to turn and take your journey and go to the hill country. And he lays out where they should go. Verse eight of chapter one, and Mm -hmm. see that I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give give to them and to their offspring after them. So this is actually in obedience and fulfillment to the Abrahamic covenant, right? That part of the Abrahamic covenant is the promise of land. And so now they are, they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. The time of the wilderness is complete. And Deuteronomy literally meaning second law. Uh, there's a lot of repetition from um, Leviticus and, and, and Exodus and the Ten Commandments and the laws they are here. But really what you're going to see that's a little different in Deuteronomy from maybe the other four books of the, of the Pentateuch is uh, these are a series of messages and kind of writings from Moses about their experience leading up to this this point before he passes away, and so the tone is different. The yes. and and he writes in a almost a um, personal um, person here where he said, you know, I did this and then israelites you did this and i said this and you didn't you didn't believe me here and i told you this and i gave you the and it, it's like a personal conversation that he's ha- having with them to remind them of god god's faithfulness and then as you go through the book um, from the very beginning you see some interesting things first you see that that to, to manage the amount of people um, that Moses was in charge of, the, the nation of Israel at this point, he divides them into tribes. Now, Scott, why would this be significant? Well, it's because Jesus is going to come from a tribe. He is right. the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it's actually in Deuteronomy where the, these tribes start to develop and get get split up. And from the beginning, they're told to go into the wilderness are told to go from the wilderness into the promised land. And what's the first thing they do? They don't believe. And why does that matter? Because you're going to see time and time again, just like you, you see all, throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, Jesus is the better Israelite. Jesus is the one that's actually going to fulfill the law's demands because Moses is going to call them. And the Lord's going to call his people time and time again, obey my law keep my statutes, follow my ways. And he's. there's even going to be in chapter 28, blessings and cursing, curses right. um, based off of their obedience. And and there's going to actually be um, consequences that we're going to see play out throughout the history of redemption in the Old Testament based off the, their inability to, to follow the law, which right. further pushes us to realize that Jesus is the only one that could do this, right? He comes on the scene. The first thing that he says is, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. And so we're reminded that in that with Deuteronomy and that kind of un- underpins um, the book and what we're, we're listening to. And then you see chapter four, chapter four starts to deal with this idea of the, the first, second and third commandment, this idea of of images and while they shouldn't have graven images, why they, they shouldn't have um, any uh, idolatry is forbidden, they, that the Lord God is God alone. And why does that matter? Well, because as we know from the golden calf, they were attributing um, the uh, powers and the signs and the wonders of Yahweh to this golden calf. Right. And here, God again reminds them, verse. 15 of chapter four therefore watch yourselves very carefully since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire beware lest you act corruptly by making a carving image for yourself this is one of the reasons why as as reformed people we don't use images of Jesus right right? like we because God in his in, in his um command for how he is to be worshiped by his people tells them, hey, don't do this. Why? Because Jesus alone is God. He's going to tell you at the end of this, the Lord God is God alone. Jesus is the the one true God, God God alone to be worshiped. Jesus, as Paul tells us in Colossians 1, is what, Scott? The image of the invisible God. We, We don't want other images because we don't want to taint or misrepresent or misunderstand who Jesus is. Jesus is the image of
0: the invisible God. And, and and obviously the other problem with an, with an image of Jesus is that it, it, it cannot, it can only, it can only show his human nature. It is unable to show his divine nature, and so there's a there's a, a separating of his natures in every time we try to, every time we try to make an image, and then we don't know what Jesus looked like. Right. And so it's it is uh uh yeah. So the, the this is a this is a new one for a lot of people who are coming to the Reformed faith is is why we are not real keen on images of Jesus. So you're not going to see. You're not going to see uh, in most Presbyterian churches, you're not going to see a lot of uh, a lot of stained glass. You're not going to see statues uh, of Jesus and some things like that, because because we don't believe in making graven images.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not, not only that, but you'll, you're will you also going to see in chapter four um, this. um interpretation or explanation of or call back to the third commandment right having to do with the name of god and key and and not uh taking his name in vain why because jesus is the one who has been given a name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that he is lord like we we want to take that with sake uh something of, of sacredness and honor, and, and even in practical application, how we treat our neighbors who are image bearers of, of the one, one true God. So you see that in chapter four, um, and then skipping down to chapter seven, um, this is, again, there. there's things in here that should jump out at you that you should feel like, since this is the most quoted uh, book by Jesus. There are things about this, even in the new Testament writings that should jump out at you like, Hey, I've heard this before chapter seven, chapter seven, uh, Moses and his messages. Cause this is a lot of these, uh, a lot of Deuteronomy really are, are almost sermons or messages that Moses right. uh, delivered to them, getting ready to, to prepare them to go into the promised land. Um, and chapter seven deals with promising them that they are a people for the Lord's own possession. Verse six, For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And it was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord has set his love on you or chose you for you were the fewest of all the people. But it's because the Lord loves you and he keeps the oath that he swore to your fathers and that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the King of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord, your God is a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, with those who love him and keep his commandments to thousands and generations and repays to their face, those who hate him by destroying them. So against the repetition again of what we, we read in, in Exodus, right? Um, especially uh, in regards to keeping the Sabbath holy, um, and, and and in regards of who God is, that he, he keeps steadfast love uh, to thousands who who love Him. And, but even on top of that, Scott, where else do we hear? Um, for you are a chosen race, a holy
0: pre- priesthood, a people for your own possession. Uh, you're talking about in the New Testament, yeah. In the New Testament, we we hear that in Ephesians, where 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 God shows us. In him. Um, and so, so we have the this idea of God working through in the Old Covenant, working through a chosen people, a chosen uh, um, geopolitical nation state and ethnic group. Um, but that was always a, a placeholder for um, God's ultimate plan, which is to bless the nations, and therefore God's ultimate chosen people are not just one particular ethnic group but people of every nation tongue and
1: tribe right and Um, that's that's the way the book ends not only that but it's not this isn't just a pauline idea right this isn't just an idea the apostle paul came up with um uh, or john the apostle in revelation first peter talks about this right first peter chapter two verse nine but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So who's the him and whose light is it? It's Jesus's. Amen. So so even in this moment, you see uh, glimpses of redemptive history happening in chapter seven. And then at chapter nine, um, depending on which Bible using, you use, we use ESV a lot of times, the heading there is, not because of of righteousness. Um, and then verse uh, four, he actually says, "Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, talking about hit the enemies, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me into to possess this land, where whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It's not because, of your righteousness or the upright rightness of your heart or you that you're going to possess this land but because of the but because of the wickedness of the nations of the lord have given you is driving out before you and that he may confirm the word that the lord swore to your fathers to abraham isaac and jacob again and again and again you're gonna see this phrase in deuteronomy but ultimately that's the gospel right like you're not you're not saved because you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps you're not saved because uh, you're more holy than the the person next to you in the pew or the guy down the street or the drug addict, you know, in your neighborhood or, or whoever else, like you're, you're actually not, you're just as wicked as they are. Um, but it's because God is a covenant keeping God. And the thing that he promised is covenant theology in a nutshell, right? That the true and barren Adam would come that one that could take, take care of and set creation right would come that, that the offspring of Abraham would bless the nations that uh, one that could fulfill the law of Moses would come that uh, a true and better David would fulfill the, the, the kingdom promises and, and all the promises have their, their yes and amen in Jesus. And so that's, that's really, really important. Cause I could see in, even in a scenario in our context in the South where we could make this about the United States, right? Uh, no. you know, yeah, really? Yeah. And so people do it, that. Yeah. And and it, it become you know, or about the Republicans or the Democrats, right, that that we're blessed because we're righteous and they're going to get crushed or destroyed because of their unrighteousness uh, and whatever. And their unrighteousness is based off of whatever pet peeve sin that we, we deem is, is worse um, than ours. Here again, you hear the gospel in Deuteronomy 7, or, and in Deut- sorry, 9, chapter 9, in dealing with righteousness. Uh, you're going to see later on in, in the chapter where Moses is going to remind them again of the golden calf and the, of, of their work- wickedness. Chapter 10 deals with circumcision. Now, you would think, what's that got to do with Jesus? That's got everything to do with Jesus, because here in Deuteronomy, he's actually not going to talk ever about circumcision of the flesh. Every time that Moses talks about circumcision or the Lord talks about circumcision, he says, I'm coming to circumcise your heart. And where else have we seen that? Well, we've seen that in conversations like Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter three. Scott, you want to talk about that just, just a little bit?
0: Uh, Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter three, uh, what must uh, uh, Jesus says, you must be born uh, of, uh, is this the, is this the, the passage yeah. you're talking about? You must be yeah. born of, uh, you must be born again. And Nicodemus mm-hmm. says, how can I be born? Can I go into my mother's womb a second time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus says, no, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you will not see the kingdom of heaven.
1: Yeah. So it's this this idea that it's not just about outward change. That there actually has to be a spiritual renewal, this circumcision of the heart. And all Jesus is doing in John 3 is taking uh, that, that section about water and spirit and circumcision of the heart and hearts of stone and hearts of flesh in Ezekiel and mm-hmm. applying it to the teacher of the law here with Nicodemus and telling him, hey, this has always been the same thing. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just telling you, it's still about circumcising your heart. You still got to be born again. You still have to experience uh, the new birth of salvation.
0: Yeah. In in fact, uh, yeah. So uh, Deuteronomy 30 uh, verse six and the Lord, your God will circumcise your heart and the Lord and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord, your God with all your whole heart and soul that you may live. And then, and then Paul in, in, uh, Paul in, in Romans 2 says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And we've
1: spent whole episodes on this. We won't spend a whole lot of time getting into this, but this is why we baptize our babies. Right. Amen. This is this is why we believe what we believe as reformed people, uh, in, in terms of baptism. And baptism is the sign uh, that replaced circumcision. So we continue on. Chapter 13. There's this promise of a true and, and better prophet that's going to come because and and it's subtle. It, it's repeated again in chapter 18, but it kind of begins in 13 because the Lord says, if a prophet comes and he does all these signs and he does all these, these wonders with you. And then the next thing he does is tell, tells you, let's go worship these other gods. That's not the dude. Uh, That's not the prophet you should follow. And it actually is in 13 where it says, if the prophet tells you that that is a false prophet and, and that prophet should die. Now, what's that got to do with Jesus? Well, if Jesus was not a hundred percent accurate, in everything that he said, in everything he did, if his signs and his wonders didn't point to the truth of his predictions and the truth claim of the words that he said coming from the father who sent him, he would have been a false prophet and he should have been ignored and he, and he should have died and not raised from the dead. Right. But we know that he was the, the true prophet. And so in that all the signs and wonders that that he does is evidence of the coming of the kingdom. And it's evidence of uh, and it validates everything that that Isaiah talked about of the spirit of the Lord being upon his servant. And he raised from the dead because guess what? He was the approved sacrifice of God. So you see that in chapter 13, chapter 14, dealing with clean and unclean food. What does that have to do with Jesus? Well, think about Acts Remember, Peter is wrestling with um the Gentiles coming to faith and whether or not he that, that's okay and whether whether or not uh he can trust that this is something from the Lord. And how how does Jesus um explain this to Peter? Well, he gives him a vision of clean and unclean animals. And Peter's like, Oh, I've, we'll already, never, I've already messed would, it once.
0: I would never eat anything unclean.
1: Right. And and what is what is the Lord telling him? Let no no man call what I've made unclean again talking about about the gentiles chapter 16 is does the passover and the feast of weeks and the feast of booths and we've talked about all that in the connection to the supper before chapter 17 um you see that they are thinking through leadership and that they're thinking about a king and the lord actually tells them hey yeah you're going to pick a king but don't pick a king from one of these other other countries that you think is going to help solidify something for you. You're I'm pick a king that I choose. Pick a king that I'm I'm going to give to you. Well, the end of Deuteronomy declares that the Lord has become their king. And the the king that God chose for them came from the line of David. And so so you see see that connection there. Again, we mentioned chapter 18 talks about a prophet like Moses that's going to come. Um, and the funny part is the way the book ends in 34, there's this kind of cliffhanger. After Moses dies, it says, and there wasn't another prophet. Has not been another prophet like him since? Why? Because the the Pentateuch's looking forward to a prophet like Moses. Well, well what do we see on the, the mountain of, of transfiguration? We see Elijah. And Moses, right? The Law and the Prophets pointing to the one um, that is uh, the true and, and better Moses,
0: the truer and better Moses, who who leads us out of captivity, who can carry us into the Promised Land, uh, who mediates between us and a holy God. Yeah. I, uh, as we wrap up, Gage, I would I would want to encourage, especially this being Advent season, I would encourage uh, if you've never done it to look up the album behold the lamb of god by andrew peterson andrew, andrew mm-hmm. peterson is a is a christian uh, author and songwriter and he has a a, uh, a a traveling concert that he does with a number of other artists uh, around throughout the season of advent called behold the lamb of god and it is tracing this promise of the coming messiah from the old testament in 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 song form And it is a a wonder to behold. So I I think you can stream it wherever you get your, wherever you stream your music, we get ours through Amazon music, but uh, Behold the Lamb of God by Andrew Peterson is, uh, does a wonderful job of connecting some of these dots for people.
1: Love that. Let me give you one more as we wrap up. Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21 has this, what feels like obscure paragraph about a law of what should happen should a guy be found to be a criminal and Mm. hanged on a tree. And you're thinking, you're thinking what in the world does this have to do with Jesus or what in the world does this even have to do with, with, with anything here? I'll, I'll read it for us. It's, and it's just like this little small sentence at the end of 21 verse 22, it says, and if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, And he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord, your God is giving you for your inheritance. Now what's that got to do with anything else that that Moses has been talking about? Well, the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter three tells us this chapter three, verse 10 For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse for it is written cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of law and do them. That's the entire book of Deuteronomy. Do this, do this, do this, follow, 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 keep my statutes. Right? So the problem is we're all cursed. According to verse 10, then verse 11. Now it, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. Where have we, we heard that before? That's the same argument he makes in Romans 1, Amen. verse 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So that in Christ, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's the gospel Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. That's the gospel from Deuteronomy.
0: Well well done. Well done, brother. Thank you for, thank you for walking us through that so well. We hope this has been an encouragement to those of you uh, who want to see who, who want to um, see Christ in the old Testament, who believe, who believe what the new Testament says that the law and the prophets testify to Christ, that they believe what Jesus says when, it, when he says on the road to Emmaus that all the, all the scripture uh, is about himself. And so we hope this has been an encouragement to those of you who believe that, but just want to open up Deuteronomy and maybe get your head around it. So uh, we hope this has been an encouragement to you. And uh, Gage, how can folks follow up with us and, and uh, ask us their questions?
1: Absolutely. So you can always follow us and, and hit us up on um, any of our social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, just as a reminder, I've been canceled, so I'm not on Facebook, but Scott can reply for you. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Love to hear hear from you on in Instagram. Uh, you can always email us also at contact at or visit the website and send us a message. We do we do check that uh, from time to time. Um, And uh, we always would love a review. So wherever you're listening to your podcast, we'd love um, reviews, five-star reviews. If you feel like it's a a one-star, we'd love for you to email us first so we can talk about it. And if you have any questions at all and you don't see what we're seeing, we'd love to dialogue with you. And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.